0: Welcome to the Gut Doctor podcast, where Dr. Neil Parikh describes GI disorders and answers common questions related to the GI tract. Please note, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, listeners. Today we bring back APRN Priscilla Quilter to discuss a less common but frustrating condition that affects some of our patients with inflammatory bowel disease. We're going to talk all things pouchitis today on the Gut Doctor podcast. Priscilla, thank you for joining me again.
1: Thank you for having me and agreeing to discuss this topic with our listeners today. It is a pretty specific problem, but it is important, and I'm happy to share some of the knowledge that I have with our
0: listeners. Thank you. So, of course, before we can, before you can tell us what is pouchitis, I guess we should talk about which patients end up with the pouch and therefore our are at risk for
1: pouchitis. (laughs) Correct. Um, Yes, you need to have a pouch. So there's a few different types of pouches, but um, to keep this short and to the point, um, we'll talk about the J pouch, which is the more common um, pouch that um, I think our patients are dealing with. Um, so a J-pouch um, is a surgical procedure, and it is also considered a surgical cure for ulcerative colitis. Patients with a history of familial, adenomatous polyposis, also have surgery. Um, the surgery. The J-pouch is referred to as an ileal reservoir, and the procedure itself begins with a total colectomy with preservation of the rectal stump. The pouch is constructed by folding loops of ilium or small intestine onto itself, and then sewn or stapled together side by side. If I had some slides, it would be, it's an easy visual. Oh, and I'm yeah. not going to explain the surgery, but, um, Sewing this, the intestines together, creates this new reservoir that's located low into the pelvis. um, And then ultimately, it's sewn or stapled back into that rectum that was preserved at the initial surgery um, after appropriate healing and pouch maturation. So that is the patient with the J-pouch.
0: Okay, so FAP or ulcerative colitis patients undergo this surgery and... um, may have a J pouch or left with a pouch. Um, What is pouchitis?
1: So, right. Um, So yes, the patients that have these surgeries have the pouch and pouchitis by definition is actually an inflammatory disorder that presents with pain, increased stool frequency, and urgency. Pouchitis can be acute, it can be chronic, and there can be acute on chronic symptoms. Um, I think it's important to know that there is some degree of chronic inflammation in the pouch um, without known cause, but theories include chronic ischemia, chronic infection, and poor pouch function. This can be asymptomatic and does not need to be treated. The reason why I mentioned this is because there could be um, our colleagues that do do scopes and they might see some inflammation in a pouch, but the patient may say, I feel fine. Where a little bit of inflammation is expected, A lot of inflammation or inflammation with symptoms is then considered pouchitis, and pouchitis indeed needs to be
0: treated. Okay, so if you have symptoms and you have pouchitis, you need to be treated. So what are the symptoms that we should be looking for?
1: Yes. So um, a lot of patients will actually say, especially if they've had their surgery because of ulcerative colitis, they'll say, I feel like my ulcerative colitis is back. They may have a fever. They may have bloating. They definitely have increased bowel frequency with that urgency and then that rectal pressure or tenismus. Um, Patients with both acute and chronic pouchitis will report some nocturnal symptoms. So they're either waking up in the middle of the night to move their bowels or they're actually having some fecal incontinence or leakage um, and that it tends to be the telltale sign that there's some sort of like more than a little bit of inflammation happening to be considered the diagnosis of pouchitis.
0: So you just mentioned the diagnosis were there. So do we basically? Do you typically just go based on this clinical presentation, or are there some blood tests uh, you order, or when do you go the endoscopic evaluation route?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question, and of course, I think it's always your you know the level of comfort. I would think that the um, GI provider providing care to these patients have known these patients. So if a patient. For example, for me, if one of my pouch patients says, "I feel like my ulcerative colitis is back," that's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty good sign that this is pouchitis. They tend to know what their bowels are doing. So I'm not. If it's just that first time out and they're having these symptoms, as I just mentioned, I don't think we need to do anything. There's no role for blood work. Um, it doesn't necessarily change the treatment. There's this may not be picked up on like a CAT scan. Um, and I think it's just okay to just treat, I start to think about more invasive testing with labs um, or, um, you know, even a scope if they're having refractory symptoms. And I, I tend to think about labs, a pouchoscopy, which is the the scope itself, um, or an MRI of the pelvis, just to make sure that we're not missing anything else.
0: Great. Once you feel confident the diagnosis based, you know, based on your conversation with the patient or these tests, how do you start treatment?
1: So, um, the initial therapy is antibiotics. Um, Despite the fact that I said this is considered an inflammatory issue, the theory is that there's a mix of good and bad bacteria within the small intestine that is causing um, this type of inflammation slash infection. So, I think this is the only time that we would say for inflammation, we can try some antibiotics. Um, Usually for an acute case of pouchitis, that's not recurrent or Refractory to anything else, it's antibiotics for two weeks. Typically, like a cipro and flagyl, will offer some adequate coverage. Um, and sometimes patients do need a little bit longer than two weeks, and they should demonstrate demonstrate response to the antibiotics somewhere between that four and six week window.
0: So, you just mentioned some people do relapse or are uh, refractory, and I think one of the few things that I come across when I think of pouchitis is probiotics. Cause I, you know, I talk about probiotics often in the office and I feel like this is a rare, but solid instance where there's good literature to support these are probiotics. Can you comment on, you know, there's refractory pouchitis and how probiotics work?
1: Yes, absolutely. So again, the, the refractory pouchitis or chronic pouchitis is diagnosed um, Uh, almost by, you know, deduction. So, if patients continue to have pouchitis-like symptoms, they do need to have that more invasive workup with a pouchoscopy, maybe even a pouch study, which is done in the x-ray department, and multiple biopsies. I think now um, we're not seeing as many patients with pouches that are actually some sort of other inflammatory bowel disease. But unfortunately, I'm only because our medicine is better and um, our diagnostic tools are better. But I think patients that have had these pouches 20, 30, 40 years um, may have just sort of lived with symptoms and they actually could have Crohn's disease. I mentioned that because that's always what we're looking for. But um, if all of these things have been ruled out, and this is truly chronic pouchitis, we recommend probiotics. Um, there's some really good data um, in the literature that says a specific probiotic, um, VSL number three, is recommended for patients that did respond to antibiotics, but then continued to relapse, um, you know, weeks to months out and need continued antibiotics. Um, the VSL-3 Number three is well-studied. We have good clinical data that demonstrated change in the microflora within the ileal reservoir. This particular probiotic offers three different types of probiotic and is FDA approved. Um, Therefore, I think that's why the data is so good on it. Um, But there is no good data to support that probiotic probiotics actually prevent pouchitis. So I guess you really need to have the diagnosis and then um, we can treat you with the probiotics, but just taking probiotics without any um, sign of pouchitis, it doesn't, there's nothing to prove that it actually helps.
0: Priscilla, that, that's a very good point um, because I, that would have been my follow-up question, you know, cause patients, we all are looking for ways to prevent things right to be one step ahead. So I think probiotics comes up often with that. Um, right. This has been, a great overview of pouchitis. You know, it's a, obviously a very specific condition. Uh, we see it more common with our inflammatory bowel disease patients, but as you mentioned earlier, patients with FAP who have a surgery can also get a, uh, a pouch and then subsequently get pouchitis. So thank you so much for your time today.
1: Yeah. Um, thanks for having me.
0: I, I look forward to future collaboration. I think every time I learn a lot from you, so I, I really do appreciate that thanks. Um, to all our listeners, please continue to subscribe, rate and review the gut doctor podcast. Thank you again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gut Doctor podcast. For additional information about today's topic, please visit ConnecticutGI.org. Your feedback is important to us, so please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Gut Doctor, and if you think you may need to see a gastroenterologist, just trust your gut.